0: Welcome back to this Ocean Life Podcast. Thanks for being here. As always, I am your host, Josh Peterson. Uh, midsummer right now. It's uh, just August 2nd of 2019. Uh, God, no, it's August 3rd. I can't believe time flies so fast in the summer. But it's a pretty rad time of year. One of my favorites here in the States, in California, because there's a lot of surf lifesaving events going on here in California. We just had our regional uh, state championships, and you know, a bunch of kids here in my town, including my own kids, went down to Southern California, competed, and um, had a lot of fun. Pushed themselves in the water. And so, what we're doing right now is got a little mini series on competitive surf lifesaving, and uh, profiling a few of the athletes on the U.S. national team. Uh, we had to spoke with Ryan Paraz last episode, and today we have April O'Gorman who's a world-class competitor uh, in the sport. So today, April shares her stories of discovering surf lifesaving competition, finding her competitive strengths in the sport, you know, in the water, on the beach, and learning the skills and techniques she's employed for great success. We hear of her mentors in the sport that have helped April progress from the regional to the national, then onto the world stage of surf lifesaving competition, Her time in Australia, training with some of the legends in the sport who she's looked up to, and just great stories of competing on the U.S. national team. April also shares her perspective on the community of surf lifesaving competitors, uh, her approach to training and competing in her favorite events, such as board paddling, and the Iron, a multi-discipline event of board paddling, swimming, running, and surf ski paddling. It sounds gnarly, and April's crushing it. She today, again August 2019, is set to defend her current national title at the upcoming U.S. national event. And April shares her enjoyment of providing back the next generation of Groms to help them grow their love of competitive surf life-saving and finding their own success in the sport. Finally, talks about her synergy with Buell Surf and Rescue. My friends, a local... California company pushing the sport forward with innovative new equipment design and Grom training cramps. So, a lot of fun stuff. Hope you're getting out there enjoying the summertime, picking up trash, and like I always say, minimizing plastic. Let's cut it out completely. And with that, let's get into the ocean life of April Gorman. All right, so April, uh, today, lifeguarding on the beach, New Smyrna Beach, Florida.
1: Yeah, Shark Week.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah? Were all those guys out there?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, we usually always make national news on Shark Week. But, of course, I think all the sharks knew it was Shark Week because we had two bites this week, and we haven't had any in weeks. And, of course, we have two during Shark Week.
0: <laughs> well, what's, what are the odds of that happening? <laughs> <laughs> so what were the bites? I mean, were they, like, super bad? I mean, probably every shark bite's bad, but, like, what, what went down?
1: No, they're really actually not that bad. New Smyrna, um, where I guard, is the shark bite capital of the world. Um, but they're God. like, they're like dogs. Like, we count them every day. But it's like there was a high school club um, where I went to high school where literally if you got bit by a shark, you could be a part of this club. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that common. Yeah, <laughs> they're just like a dog bite and a cool story. You get like ten stitches <laughs> and you're all good.
0: <laughs> so did you uh, get to join the club then? at one point no
1: no luckily i i I have not
0: (laughs) so what kind of sharks are these guys biting people
1: um they're usually black tips or nurse or um spinners are what we see the most um they'll go jumping out of the water and
0: pretty crazy (laughs) wow so you got a full assortment of uh of sharks that you have you (laughs) sitting on the tower or, or watching day to day
1: um, yeah, I usually see them when I'm sitting down at t- more towards the inlet. Um, they like to call it shark alley. And yeah. when you're up there, it's typically where you see them. Um, in the, that's where I usually, I'm usually on the beach, but actually this past summer, because I'm a little bit more senior, I tend to be more dispatch and up in the control tower and controlling yeah. the radio and stuff. So I don't see too many anymore. <laughs>
0: Ah, nice. So, (laughs) like, New Smyrna Beach, I've never been, but uh, I actually ended up surfing with a few guys when I was in Costa Rica a long time ago who were from New Smyrna Beach, and I heard good things about it. Like, there's waves and a pretty neat little surf culture and everything. So, talk about, I mean, first the beach itself, that little, the community of, you know, kind of water sports folks and everything, and then kind of what lifeguarding is like other than the shark shark attacks and stuff. What else do you guys have to deal with?
1: Yeah, um, so... It's really crazy, that whole kind of beach side of New Smyrna, I don't think um, my family really got into it until I basically became a guard. Um, My dad was actually born and raised in Honolulu, Hawaii, um, and I was born there, Um, grew up in New Smyrna, but I was always a swimmer, uh, and I was a pool swimmer from the time I was eight, and Pretty much did that until I was 16, and then I became a guard for Volusia County, and um, I was going to New Smyrna Beach High School, and so I stayed there at that station for work, and I think that's really when I actually fully (laughs) dove into the surf culture of New Smyrna and just... (laughs) <laughs> what it kind of entails, um definitely really involved with the lifeguard community um it's definitely ties hand in hand usually the people that you see out there were guards at one point in New Smyrna yeah. or know them or somehow connected.
0: <laughs> oh, cool, so it's a pretty tight little community of like water people,
1: yeah, definitely,
0: yeah, that's cool, so how is that? Transition for you, I mean, as, a, as a, a kid growing up in the pool, I mean, strong in the water for sure, um, but, you know, if typically like if your family is not dunking in the ocean like a lot and you're not out in the ocean a lot, you know, it, it takes you a while later on in life to kind of learn, you know, the ocean, you know, a little bit. So that transition you mentioned when you're kind of 16 ish. To the ocean from the pool I mean how, what was that like because now you're super strong in the ocean now you're saving people in the ocean etc so how was that kind of transition from the pool into just into the ocean for you
1: well I we grew up at the beach still but it was just weird because I just never really w- was fully in love with the beach yeah. um I just found it like I was really sticky in the sand like yeah. I just was never like a huge like like I just wasn't always, like, dying to go to the beach. But, I mean, growing up in Florida, we were still there. My, right. my parents were definitely still dunking me in the ocean. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: so, I think I was a lot stronger in the ocean than I really even realized. Right. Um, And then... Now it's just it's so funny because I hated the sand and the salt water and all that, and now I just could roll around in it all day and <laughs> it doesn't really bother me too much.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now it's life giving basically.
1: <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so basically, like no junior lifeguards and stuff. I mean, you kind of jumped in as a late teen into the whole surf lifesaving world.
1: Yeah, it's really strange because, like, I mean, most of the people that I'm on the national team with, um, I mean, and it's why I'm so passionate about teaching people about surf life saving and coaching people now because it was really sad for me to like find this whole world and this whole culture that I had no idea existed and that I know I would have loved when I was younger. Um, But yeah, I just didn't even get a chance to find out about it until I was 16. So now I just love teaching and coaching people and telling people about it because I think that everyone should be able to.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree. I mean, it's such the raddest thing for kids growing up to be immersed in it, you know, and challenge themselves in the water, but also have like strong mentors and coaches and like a nice framework and and structure of safety, keeping them sort of, you know, in the bounds of safety as they're doing paddling, swimming, you know, skis, whatever that might be. But 16 is not bad. I mean, you could have been 36 or something.
1: Yeah. And then then found
0: it. But 16 is still pretty good.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I was lucky enough to find it then. But um, yeah, like I said, I don't think I really realized how strong I was in the ocean, but definitely working as a lifeguard, you see how common it is, I think, with a lot of people in the U.S. that just really aren't familiar with the ocean at all and have no idea yeah. what like a rip current is or just how to manage Getting under waves or getting over waves, and that was just something that I just kind of I think took for granted growing up with, and didn't really realize that so many people don't really know how to handle those conditions.
0: Yeah, I know we are super super lucky. So you you jump into the world of surf lifesaving when you're 16, and that means like potentially two things. One is you can start you know like um, you know rescuing people, maybe sit in towers being a lifeguard, you know, and or Comp- you know, competing, you know, um, on the beach and, in, in, in events. And so it sounds like you, you started doing both.
1: Yeah. Um, so I really, my first summer, um, when I was 16, it was when nationals was in Daytona beach. So they, I was a really good swimmer in the ocean and I didn't really know how to paddle or ski or do any of that stuff yet. So they were like, it's in Daytona. You should just go swim, just go do it. And so I just went and I, I, definitely did not think that I was gonna be where I am now um I just thought it was gonna be (laughs) this fun thing I was gonna go just do and it's in Daytona and um I definitely like got there and it was really sad that all I knew how to do was swim because I did surf and did do that kind of stuff so all the paddleboard stuff has like I feel like I should know how to do this and I want to learn how to do this. And so it was really sad just like being a swimmer and only being able to do a really restricted (laughs) amount of events. And I wanted to like do everything I possibly could. Um, So I like threw together random teams and with the most just outlying people and was like, hey, please do this with me. Oh, really? (laughs) I just like, I just wanted to do it um and I had a great time and I basically like after that nationals was like all right I'm gonna like teach myself how to paddle and I'm gonna before like next year like I'm gonna be able to do all that and that's kind of how it started
0: <laughs> yeah that's cool so how did you do like your, your I mean your first I mean it, was this your first like you know competitive surf lifesaving event was the national nationals
1: yeah, it was. I didn't yeah. even know that I was allowed to do U19 at the time, so I just, like, did it open, and then everyone was like, why didn't you do U19? I, like, didn't even know that was an option. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did. Yeah, I made, so how
0: did you do? How did you place?
1: I made finals in the swim, and Good. I think it was the Runs from Run, and then I just was in, like, random Taplin yeah. relays and random Rescue 2 relays. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
0: so that kind of just fired you up like you said you finished that and it just got you just amped and so the next year if you fast forward then you kind of just got more serious because now you knew what, what was there for you you know it was, it was kind of like exploratory uh, you know day at the beach you know um competing having fun but it got you amped and so then the following year you did you go back and sort of what, what was that like i mean getting getting more serious about competing
1: oh yeah so i mean volusia county had these like 20 year old force field paddle boards at the (laughs) station that were like definitely made for somebody probably 50 pounds heavier than me and I was like trying to paddle around on them by myself in New Smyrna like in the winter and was just getting like pummeled and had no (laughs) idea what I was doing And finally, I think somebody just, like, took pity on me and was like, hey, um, I think you should have A.J. Miller go show you how to, like, actually do that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: So A.J. Miller is one of our captains in uh, Daytona Beach, and he's been doing it for a while. Um, And he basically took me under his wing and showed me how to paddle and laughed at me a lot. And um, (laughs) – I ended up doing a couple just like local races then the next summer when I was seventeen. Um and definitely just I I remember I was using these really terrible force field old boards and then um he let me use one of his, like, good, actual, good boards um, at my first paddle board competition. And Aiden, my brother, um, came with me, and he, like, wanted to record it and stuff. And I was like, no, I'm about to fall on my face. Like, like, don't record this. <laughs> <laughs> and he let me use his board, and I went running in, and I came in second behind Eva Porter, who had just wow. been on um, the national team when it IRSC was in Australia. This is, like, 20. 16 so it was right after they went in
0: 2015.
1: Wow. And um we went running up the beach together after and she like finishes and she's like are you trying to make like the U19 world's team or something? And I like this is how naive I was. I was like <laughs> I was like, "Oh no." I was like, "I'm trying to swim in college." I was like, "I'm not trying to do that." And I was like, "Maybe next year." And she's like, "Worlds is every two years." <laughs> and I was like oh you're
0: like oh yeah I knew I knew that
1: (laughs) I mean she like has to still laugh about that conversation because like fast forward like two months later and then I was going on the U19 team to the world so (laughs) no way (laughs) so she had to like have a little giggle about
0: that that's classic so you were just kind of That's a cool story. I mean, you you show up, you're 16, you find Surf Lifesaving, you compete, you get excited, you come back the year later, and then you crush it. And then, like, two months after that next round, you're, like, on the world stage competing on the U.S. team.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, they told me, basically, after, like, regionals that summer, they were, like, if you want to um, go on the U19 team in the Worlds, you need to go out to California, and you need to basically do every single event you possibly can. Yeah. So... Um, I learned how to ski in like a month and (laughs) was like, all right, I'm going to do everything I can and did like every single U19 race, um, in California and then competed open after and they invited me on the U19 team, but, um, they invited me as a swimmer and Mm. I had to, I had like two weeks to like learn all the pool rescue stuff. And so that was a whole interesting learning curve too. Um,
0: (laughs) so what and, was that the pool rescue stuff what, what was that you had to learn
1: oh so pool rescue at worlds um they don't really do it on the other international surf life-saving competitions but for worlds you have two days at the beach doing all like the normal stuff we do at nationals and then you yeah. have two days at the pool oh wow and the pool stuff is gnarly and you have this <laughs> you have this 70 pound mannequin I think it. I think he weighs 70 pounds this mannequin and it's like a half of a body and you're carrying him with one arm and doing like one arm freestyle and it's like long wow. course and everyone's in tech suits and <laughs> oh, like, oh really yeah yeah it's crazy it's like its own sport over in Europe um, Wow. yeah it's really I no wild
0: idea. <laughs> so you had to learn all these different different races in the pool and figure those out and oh, then yeah. go oh yeah <laughs>
1: yeah basically everyone in the u.s because we just don't really do it in the u.s um yeah. we just basically have to watch a bunch of youtubes and like figure it out <laughs> wow yeah so hallie um peterson who also used to work for volusia county at the time um, was training with me. And so she was on the open worlds team at the same time. So we both like had like two weeks to like learn and, (laughs) um, just tried to do the best we could.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you went over there to swim and then, but now you're also are, I mean, at some point you also started like paddling in in the, in the world events too, for, for the, for the U S team, right?
1: Yeah. So I basically, I left that world kind of upset that I was just a swimmer and I sat on the beach for two days and watched all of these other people do these events and I just swam and I did the surf swim and the taplin and rescue tube and that was it yeah and it was really sad because obviously that was much more of the part that I enjoyed than the pool stuff which they really took me for yep um So I left that world and basically said that I would never go on another international team just as a swimmer again. Um, And I haven't, so.
0: (laughs) Yeah, rad. So then did you have to refine your paddling skills, or was it just a matter of you had it, you just had to focus more on it and just place better in some of the events to get selected for the paddle as well on the team?
1: I definitely just needed to a lot more training on it. like mm-hmm. that that month of skiing before worlds was definitely like not gonna cut it. <laughs>
0: right, right. <laughs>
1: um, so I really spent like I got back from worlds and it was my senior year of high school. And I really didn't think that I was going to be on another international team until I basically got done with college because that tends to be how it goes in the U.S. And I think ultimately our downfall, our downfall against a lot of these other countries, right? Um, all of our really good athletes are swimmers or doing some other sport in college, and so their colleges tend to make them stop for four years. So I really thought oh, that huh. like Worlds was going to be it for a while. Yeah. Um. And I got back, and I mean, when I thought I, like, experienced this whole new world when I went to USLA Nationals, and then I got to Worlds, and I was like, what? (laughs) I was like, this is crazy. They have, like, professional series in Australia. Like, it's so much bigger than I ever thought. (laughs) Yeah,
0: like, paid athletes. Like, how's that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely was not, did not know that was going on. (laughs) Um, And I basically just, like, my whole entire senior year in high school, I watched, like, every episode of like ocean six and summer of surf and nutri series, I think oh, there yeah. is on YouTube. Like I, that's all I would do right. every day.
0: <laughs> really, That's hot. Um, I just got some tips from those guys, like the Aussies who've just been at it for so long.
1: Yeah, it definitely, it definitely fired me up. And I mean, it's definitely, I think how I ultimately improved a lot paddling and skiing was just watching those races Um, And being a distance swimmer, iron was always my best one, I felt like, because it was just so it took the most endurance out of all the surf life saving ones. And it was just, I liked it because it was a little of everything. And um, swimming for me, especially being a distance swimmer just got so monotonous. And you're just in a pool swimming back and forth for hours. So the fact that it's always changing, um, not only because it's in the ocean, but always like changing just craft wise between a paddleboard and a ski and swimming and running. And it was always something different. um, Yeah. That it really drew me a lot more towards that.
0: (laughs) Right. That's solid. And so you, so then what year was that? So actually, so that was was 20, uh, I went,
1: I went to worlds in 2016 And then 2017, I graduated high school and then went on my first open team with the U.S. as a craft person and for iron to Sanyo um, in Japan that summer. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So how was that? Um, I mean, what was that like?
1: I think Tom, the head coach at the time, he had known me for a really long time um, because he's one of the officers at our beach in Volusia County. And I think I really scared him because I like I was so amped to go for iron and I felt like I was so ready. And then I um, I remember the first day and I like it. Iron was the last event. So I competed in basically almost every event I said that day and was just running around. And I think I was just so busy and my mind was focused on all these other events. And then I like sat there before that iron and like yeah. ryan perose was my handler and so he's trying to like set up my ski and is trying to like <laughs> get my paddle ready and stuff and i just like there was no words i was just silent <laughs> and <laughs> I, I was just kind of like freaking out in my head and was just sitting there and i was like oh my gosh i just spent a year like watching new terrain and watching oh. ocean six and now i'm about to go do an iron against maddie dunn and jessica miller wow and i was watching them on youtube and this is only like my third iron i've ever done in a competition
0: (laughs) and so it just hit you you're like oh here here i am (laughs) like about to do this
1: (laughs) yeah it was a little um he i think tom was really nervous he was like are you okay are are you gonna be good
0: (laughs) so describe what an iron is like the different legs and what you actually do
1: so, um, a surf iron race is a prone paddle race, a swim race and a surf ski race, basically all into one. And you have run legs in between each of those and you don't know the order until you show up the day of, oh, cool. um, and I think that's, I mean, I think a lot of people consider it the premier event of surf life saving. And
0: yeah.
1: I think it just embodies like so many things, even with life saving, just the fact that you don't even know until the morning of I mean, right. that was something I really had to change, I think, about myself when I became a lifeguard huh. is coming from a swim a swimming background where you have a heat sheet and you have right. a in an event and you know exactly where you need to be at what time and it's so structured. So then you like show up at a lifeguard event or even for work for lifeguarding and you have no idea most right. of the time what's going on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The predictability <laughs> is gone. You know, yeah. I, can, I can see that too. Like with an iron event, where you know you're you have these three, well actually four, really because you're running in between. But call them three core kind of disciplines. And you might be really strong at one, or like pretty good at all of them. But you have like your I'm guessing like you would have your your strategy, so to speak. So let's say you you crush it in the swim, that's your best thing. So you're like I'm gonna go all out in the swim. But if the swim's first, you might need to throttle back because you don't want to waste too much energy because you have these other two things or whatever that is. So you show up that day. And I'm guessing when they say, here's the format, this, 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 and this, you have to then, like, figure out, like, you know, how you're going to, what your strategy is going to be, how you're going to play it. Is that right? Oh,
1: oh yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I think that's, that's definitely something I didn't really learn and didn't really realize until um, I ended up actually going to Australia and then training with Northcliffe. Um, yeah, yeah. And that was, that was a game-changer.
0: <laughs> really?
1: Um, and definitely had to learn that there.
0: <laughs> so like um, that one in, in Sanyo and in Japan. Um, so first, actually, a question before that. So how long are each, the distance of each of those legs, the ski, the swim, and the prone paddle, how long are those, approximately?
1: Um I think USLA standard is like the ski leg is 800 meters the board leg is roughly 600 meters and I think the swim is roughly like 350 or something weird like that um yeah. it's never that though it always right. is <laughs> some some uh, I between tides and currents and formats it's always changing I mean now a big thing in the sport irons are shifting more towards m-shape courses so like that's what we just did at worlds this past year yeah and those are those are gnarly those are like two hour races usually and really yeah those are those are rough (laughs)
0: because you're like with a little bit of like in and out of the surf as well like that's the that's the point of the m is is that right yeah so they
1: like to they like to do that format it's made that format's made to be done in surf um so that you have that constant in and out of that break, which yeah. tends to be the tricky part. Right. Um, but it is, it is grueling. I mean, I i did I just did the crossing for a cure with um, Casey Francis, one of the girls on the national team, in oh, the beginning right of June. Yeah, and his 80-mile paddle from Bimini to Lake Worth, Florida. Yeah. And I thought that was going to be the hardest thing I ever did. And right. then I did an M-shape. If the enduro three rounds and that no i was like i'll go back and cross the ocean like that was no, way easier.
0: <laughs> really so wow what was so i mean it sounds heavy i I'm not diminishing i'm just curious like what was so like hard about it for, for
1: i you? think because it's it's just nonstop. like yeah. you are sprinting like it's like a sprint race but for two hours and um, so there's yeah. just there's no break like you're right. just sprinting flat out all of it and that was just like you get I remember finishing like the first and I kept I think I looked at it wrong too I was looking at it as like nine legs and because yeah. it's three and then you have that times three and so I was right. looking at as like nine legs and I finished leg two and I was like oh my gosh I really? have to do that run like I have to do that transition seven more times
0: <laughs> oh <laughs> and that gets in your head <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, wow, so that was you said two thousand seventeen, right?
1: yeah, I'm sorry. we're jumping all over the place oh no. yeah, so <laughs> good so all Japan, good no, that's totally cool <laughs> so yeah, so Japan was twenty seventeen um and then nationals that year was back in daytona um so that was really cool. um, I felt like it was it was good. Like redemption, I like felt like I knew what I was doing, and I was yeah. like, "Oh, I can paddle and ski here," and it was my home beach again. So that was really fun.
0: Yeah, how did you place there in that in that event?
1: I actually got my first national title there. Um, nice. I did a couple events on. It was my last year as U nineteen, and I did U nineteen and open, and I just did a couple events on the U nineteen day to warm up, um, and I got my first national title in the surf ski Um, yeah that was cool and then I got my second national title in the taplin with Hallie Peterson Um, and then uh, another guard from Jacksonville who joined in for our taplin but technically because taplin didn't happen last year at nationals we are still we have to defend our title this year
0: Oh, no kidding. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's uh, hot.
0: You guys ready to do that?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We think we have a pretty good team. It's me and Howie and Casey Francis right now. And then I um possibly Amanda Calabrese as our runner. Um, maybe.
0: Nice. 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 Yeah, that's killer. Um, geez, so then and then 2018. Um, you guys did really good too. You won, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I mean there, a lot happened in between 17 and 18. Um, I started my first year at SCAD, uh, Savannah College of Art and Design, and I was swimming for them. Um, and I, my coach happened to actually live in Australia for a time, and he was living with two guys that used to be a part of the Karamban Surf Club. So, so lucky for me that he actually knows what surf lifesaving is. Um, yeah. Right, right. So, yeah, I got extremely lucky, um, and I managed to like kind of scam my way over to Australia. Um,
0: <laughs> oh, nice.
1: <laughs> I was going to SCAD for film and television, and my spring quarter. So our our girls team for SCAD won NAI Nationals in March, and then our spring quarter for SCAD is supposed to start right after that, and I got a internship with the production company that films all the surf lifesaving events in Australia for Fox Sports. Oh, for, cool. Yeah, for that spring. So, I went over after basically like the week after we won nationals. I like just packed up my bags and left Savannah and flew to Australia. And um moved into the blue house which was like um northcliffe's international house where they just kind of let all their international competitors like live oh that's rad (laughs) yeah it was very hectic and um insane and (laughs) (laughs) um i was it was amazing i mean my mind was kind of like blown um
0: <laughs> yeah because you're like surrounded by like world-class athletes like all the times probably
1: yeah i was like i mean i was helping film the videos that like a year before that i was like trying yeah. to learn we're, from on youtube watching. and yeah. yeah yeah Yeah. and was um got to race at aussies and yeah was training with these athletes that it was like oh my gosh i was watching you on youtube <laughs> and um that's killer yeah, and Naomi Flood um, was the co- our girls' coach. Um, she was an Olympic kayaker for Australia in 2012 and 2016 um, and did Nutri-Grain and all of that um, and was super successful with that. And she is by far um, the best coach in Australia right now for surf life saving for yeah, women.
0: Cool. So then, I mean, you must have picked up like. Some- big and small tips and tricks from that crew. And then you, I mean, did that, we got back to U.S. soil and, and got back with, you know, your routine here. Did you feel like you had kind of an edge on just the domestic American competitors? Because you had seen a whole different level out there?
1: Um, I don't think necessarily like trip tricks wise. I think just yeah. training wise, their mentality yeah. of how they train for it. It's, I mean, because it is their job and it yeah. is, they are yeah, professional right. athletes. And so I think in the U.S., a lot of times people in the U.S. just look at it as like this fun thing and they don't really look at it as like how normal professional sports are kind of looked at in the U.S. Yeah. Like, If you're trying to be a professional swimmer, you are swimming twice a day and you are doing weights and you were everything is geared towards that. And for some reason, people in the U.S. can grasp that concept with other sports, both so life saving just it hasn't. People haven't figured that out. And so I think that was the most important part that I learned there Mm. is managing like, okay, how much should I be doing? When should I be doing these things? Like in just that kind of training routine down, I think was the most important part.
0: Right, right. That's killer. And plus, I can only imagine like the relationships and the fun that you made with those folks that you now see. And you could always go back and see them. That's also one of the neat things that I like about, I mean, surf lifesaving in general. It's one of those cool sports where, you know, you compete hard against somebody, you know, shoulder, shoulder in an event. But when it's all said and done, it's like a hug and a smile and a high five. And it's super, there's a lot of camaraderie between beaches Nationalities, countries, it's so rad. And so it's it's neat that you need to know that you have this bond with these guys and gals in a totally different country, you know, that you can just jump back into at any point in time if, you know, if and when you can.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like that is by far my favorite part of this sport. I mean, me, Hallie, and Casey, and Jenna, and Kelsey, and all of these girls who were all on the national team together. And yeah, we're all going to race against each other in a week but yeah that is my favorite part about this sport it right we we finished that race and we can we are able to give each other a hug and say that was an awesome race and like that yep. was so much fun racing you in that and I think it's so much different than other sports at least that I've seen I mean yep. growing up in swimming it is it is not like that
0: <laughs> right
1: nobody you were not talking behind that block and like it, it is so it is so different um and like us we have so many like pictures of us like on the line at nationals it is finals and we're yeah. literally like there's pictures of us like just like we're cracking jokes yeah like, oh yeah. wait like what right. are we supposed to be going around like <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah i know you know and i think it's like kind of the fringe i mean look i mean depends where you're at but let's just call it kind of the fringe aspect of this sport i mean especially here in the states right where it's like again like you said nobody really knows what the sport is unless you live on a coastal town with the beach with the program you kind of don't know what it is now australia is different because they televise these things these guys are like on you know cereal boxes this is it's a totally different level but i think that's part of the part of why and like prone paddling is another great example it's such a fringe sport that it's like it's like, hey, brothers and sisters, doesn't matter. There's so few of us in the world who actually do these things that when you get together and you have these times together, it's like, it's like you know, the competition's there, but like the camaraderie is super strong. You know, it's, it's pretty rad.
1: Yeah, I mean, you don't have to explain yourself, yeah. and I think that's what all of us yeah. like. We have all these friends outside of the sport and um, family members, even, and I think that's. It's just such a close bond because you yeah, don't have to, yeah. like, explain to them what <laughs> the difference true. between, like, a surf ski and a prone board are.
0: <laughs> yeah, you totally nailed it. It's so refreshing that somebody just gets what you're doing and that you it's get what they're language. doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. <laughs> uh, it's funny. Um, <laughs> so then, yeah, okay, so then 2018-ish, like, last summer competing at nationals, how did you do then?
1: Yeah, so I... This is so crazy. But um, so Harriet Brown, who was the current world champion, Iron Woman world champion at the time, and I was training with her at Northcliffe, they asked her to come over for the 2018 Nationals and do a couple of clinics beforehand in the Northeast. And they asked if I would be like the US athlete that would go with her because I um, trained with her at Northcliffe. And if you, the time that I was actually in Northcliffe, Harriet was training for Molokai and I was training for like USLA time. And so I was kind of like on my own with Naomi flood coaching me and she was like off somewhere in the ocean, like paddling, (laughs) paddling for hours. Yeah. Yeah. So we didn't actually really know each other when we were in Australia, but they were just like, yeah, you guys like know each other. So they kind of just threw us together and I was freaking out. Like, I don't know. I don't feel like she didn't really know this, but like, I was like, I was learning how to pop waves, like watching you on YouTube like <laughs> a year ago. And now I am doing clinics with you in New York. Like I was freaking out.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so that was, I mean, that was mind blowing. And we're really close now. And um, it was really awesome just to like have somebody there that was kind of able to, um I think more so just like guide me to at that nationals and just be like, okay, no April, like I know you want to cheer these people on, but like you need to go rest or like, okay, you need to be doing this. And so I think even just like having her there just like to help me with that stuff, because I really just didn't know. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I was super, super thankful for that. And, um, we had an awesome time in New York doing the clinics and being able to like share it with all those kids. And oh, cool! Then got to Virginia and got to race her and Brielle and all of our USA people. And um, yeah, and ended up managing managing the Grabo wind and iron. It's the last wow. last event, last race of nationals. Was- Epic. So <laughs> ready to be done. <laughs>
0: Wow. And so of of all the events that you did and still do today, is the, is there one that's like the most special, like, is it the iron or is there one event in particular that you really, really, really want to take?
1: Oh no, it's always iron.
0: Is it? It Yeah. It
1: was the, everything that I think happened to me in 2018 is kind of crazy is like, they were all very distant goals for me that ended up happening a lot sooner than I had expected I always told myself like as a senior in high school like one day I'm going to go train it train in Australia and that's going to happen and that ended up happening a lot sooner than expected and same with iron I was like one day I am going to win iron and that day ended up coming a lot sooner than I really expected um yeah but that was definitely iron is definitely I think the um most special to me is the one yeah. I was really gunning for. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, congrats
0: for doing that. I mean, that that's so rad. I, I'm a, such a fan of, like, believing, you know, in yourself and setting a goal. And like you said, you're like, well, you know, you didn't expect it to happen so soon. But your conviction of, and belief that you could do it must – I mean, I believe this is my own, like, weird little perspective on <laughs> – the world but is that like you know when your conviction is strong you know your actions follow suit and you trained you did what you needed to do and you got there you know that's 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 awesome thank you yeah it
1: was it was a tough summer but I mean it was definitely all worth it
0: yeah so so talk about like the mental aspect of all of these sports and maybe especially the iron being like a pretty a super hardcore you know event sounds gnarly, but mm-hmm. you know there's there's two aspects to any of these things we're talking about, which is the physical piece, right? Training, getting your body right, nutrition, and all that. Um, but there's a heavy mental aspect, you know. Even down to like you just mentioned, you're on the beach, you want to cheer for others, but like a Harriet Brown or somebody's like, hey, you need to go get in your zone. You need to like chill. You need to rest, but also kind of maybe get your mind in order. So, uh, talk about the mental aspect um, that you bring. To, to all of this?
1: Um, it's really weird. Iron is definitely, I, I don't know if it's just because it's so such a special event to me, but I don't really get extremely nervous before races, and especially when it's other races. But, I mean, my mom, I think she has this picture that kind of grasps all of that, um, about my mental space when it comes to iron, but it's yeah. like before I did iron in 2018 and I'm like sitting in this beach chair and I literally just have a towel over my head. And I was like, nobody talked to me.
0: <laughs> I was yeah. like, I
1: can't like, I just can't <laughs> deal with it right now. And I literally was just like sitting there with this towel over my head and I was just had to like see in a quiet space for a while. Yeah. Um, I think like the best way to sum up an iron with the both physical and mental is actually I think the greatest piece of advice um, I got when I was in Australia and it was from Naomi Flood um, she told me when I was telling her how nervous I kind of was going into the 2018 nationals because it really was only my third nationals that I was doing knowing how to ski and paddle and I was super young in it I really had only been training doing it for three years and she said to me, she was like, an iron hurts for everyone. And She's hmm. like, it's going to be painful. And she's like, but it's physical pain. And eventually that's going to go away. And letting somebody beat you that you know shouldn't. She's like, that is mental pain. And that is going to haunt you. And it stays with you a lot longer.
0: Yeah, man. So, so profound and true.
1: <laughs> yeah. And those words, I don't know, they... <laughs> They definitely, um, they definitely stuck with me. I think throughout the entire season of 2018, and with every race I went into, I think I just kind of went in with that, and it was just like, all right, it's gonna hurt, but like it's gonna hurt for everyone. So,
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that's I love i love this topic and for folks who, who listen to podcasts regularly because i'm just a fan of the mental aspect of anything we do and especially in the ocean there's the physical piece we mentioned like you got to get ready when you're surfing big waves or diving 300 feet and holding your breath or you know doing a prone sprint race and then there's the mental piece and, and what you mentioned was um and all the folks i interview and talk to who've done molokai to wahoo but also other large like endurance sports it's like you're, you're going to hit a wall I mean, most people will hit a wall, and especially for myself who've done those things. And that was one of the, re- the responses when I asked, hey, what's your kind of game plan? Like when you, you mentally start to break down, we all do different things to get out of it, you know? And one of those answers was just as you mentioned, which is somebody, I can't remember who it was off the top of my head, but they're like, I just realized and remind myself that everybody else <laughs> right now in this race is feeling the same way, you know, so you kind of quit feeling sorry for yourself because everybody else is in the same boat and you can kind of, you know, use that to move on, you know? So, and I get that for the iron, it just sounds, you know, hectic, but you got to have some way to keep, keep your mind in
1: a good, good place. Yeah. And I mean, the, definitely what I learned from Floody too, is just in iron, the most, one of the most important things is not making any mistakes
0: is you might
1: not be like rushing, running through the thing as fast as you possibly can, but doing every single tiny little thing perfectly. Like when you go to pick up that board, it is going to be perfect. You're not going to run and try to do as fast as you can and miss it. You're not going to fall off of it when you're trying to jump on it. It's just calm and being very in control. And I think that comes back to that mental part is like not – Freaking out mentally if somebody is in front of you right now, yep. but just like being able to calmly not make any mistakes and just trust in your own training and the hours that you have put in and just know that it's going to work out and not have that freak out moment.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great, great perspective for sure. Especially on those races where you're so close to people, probably uh, the whole way. You know, there's other endurance sports where you don't see anybody for like an hour, or maybe you're bumping shoulders with somebody for five hours. But yeah, being able to slow yourself down enough where your your the quality of your movements are strong, you know. And that's you know, like you said, you waste less energy, you're more elegant, and you know, it, it pays off, you know, in the end. Um, so. Then switching gears a little bit, at some point here, you hooked up with the Buell surf rescue team, right? So that's Duke Brower, you know, who, who's a good friend yeah. of mine. We've done all kinds of stuff in the water, and, you know, he connected us and everything. And um, so how, how'd that come about? And then just talk about what you're doing today with with, with Buell.
1: <laughs> um, it's kind of a funny story, but uh, when me and Casey started trying to fundraise for Crossing for a Cure... Um, we knew Amanda and um, Hayden and all these people that were associated with Buell, but honestly, we didn't really know what it was. Yeah. Um, and she reached out to Duke first and was just like, hey, is there any way you'd be able to help us with the crossing? And Duke was like, well, actually, we were going to like reach out to you guys. I'm super glad you reached out to us. <laughs> <laughs> and he starts talking to Casey about um, just really what, they do with Buell and their kind of mission about um, especially their rescue side and just wanting to reach out and like help it expand and teach the younger generation and all of those good things. And Casey is still kind of newer to the sport too and um, is still getting really involved with it. And she called me after and she's like, hey, I think you really like need to like call Duke and like give him a call. And I was like, okay. And I'm going to school for SCAD now for industrial design. And so I called Duke and I was like, hey, um, I don't know if you know, but I'm going to SCAD right now for industrial design. And um, I really want to do industrial design because I want to potentially make surf life-saving equipment um, in the U.S. that is decent and um because i want to see the sport grow in the u.s and i'm really passionate about teaching the younger generation and about watching it grow and all those good things and he was like wow that's so funny that's exactly what our mission statement is. <laughs> 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 and so that's kind of just how it happens <laughs> yeah uh,
0: that's cool and so basically they sponsor you and i mean you wear the wetsuit stay warm with their stuff and then uh and all that. That's, that's hot, man. That's so cool.
1: Yeah, they definitely, I'm so glad we were able to get in touch with them and they'll keep me nice and warm in Savannah this next year. And they have so many rad kids out there and I got to go out to Santa Cruz and do a bunch of training with them. And so I'm just really glad of all the people that I've been able to meet through them and, um, all the memories,
0: good stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, no, I love what Duke and Ryan Buell are doing and, um, they, uh, you might, oh, geez, I don't know you, when were you out here in, in Santa Cruz? How long ago was that?
1: Um, it was the middle slash end of June.
0: Okay. geez, I wonder if, um, Oh, I think we missed that one. So my daughters are 13, um, junior guards and they, do we? They just trained with Ryan Praz last week, and they've done a couple yeah. of different ones with Amanda. I think we might have missed that one um, when you were here, unfortunately. Um, but that's such a great. I'm such a huge, I mean, fan of two things. And what you just mentioned, one is like, is training the next generation. And it may not even so much training, just inspiring or just showing them what what is here for them in the world of surf lifesaving. And and the, it's so cool because the kids see somebody who like you and Amanda and Ryan Praz and others who are like fit healthy kicking ass in life and doing such good things and, and then strong on the beach and the water and it fires them up you know uh to just i've seen noticed it in my kids and other kids in the santa cruz area but then also like the gear you know And that's i think um as you mentioned like providing you know the gear yeah. we actually had this conversation with ryan peraz and ryan buell it was like some of the gear stayed the same for like 20 years like the prone paddle boards i was paddling in the nineties are like kind of still, or have been very similar to what the kids have today. And that's changing and Buell's a big part of that and other, other companies too. But, um, but I'd love your angle of learning industrial design and then being able to apply that to something like
1: this. Yeah. So, you know, it that's, has that's been, cool. It has been a really, I mean, I'm so glad that I ended up switching to industrial design for that. It's been really cool um, to see that. But yeah, I mean, I hear about, people like your daughter being 13 and I mean all I can say to them is like I didn't even start paddling until I was 17 yeah like that (laughs) blows my mind like you're 13 and you can start like you can be paddling right now that just like it makes me so excited for them
0: yeah yeah no it is it is way cool so then here we are I mean like geez what a week or two from nationals 2018
1: one week from today
0: yeah so how are you feeling and uh what's what do you expect what are you thinking
1: um uh right now i'm counting 23 races in total over the three days so it's gonna wow. be it's gonna be a, a lot of racing but um you know that endurance background hopefully it'll it'll pay off and i'm excited i get to do all of my relays with um Hallie and Casey and all my training people and so I'm really I'm just excited to be able to see all them and see my California people and
0: yeah yeah that's cool so is there like a a taper period you know like training 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 like for a big event and like the week before you like chill you kind of taper and just let your body rest I mean is there a similar uh, like approach you take for 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 training for a a three-day period where you're just basically going all day long
1: um you would think yes but when I was in Australia they were kind of like no (laughs) Um, it's like swimming, I definitely like do a lot more sprint stuff leading up to it. Um, like you would, if you were doing a swimming taper, but for surf life saving stuff, like it'll be like, yeah, like the two or day before, two days before you do a lot shorter, just like, okay, we're going to work on just starts and finishes. So we're not going to like pound out three miles of paddling or anything, but, um, I mean, they still like that Saturday before. Saturdays are for irons, and it doesn't matter if you have nationals that week; you're still gonna do irons on that Saturday. Right. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you're just basically you're you're working all the way up to the to the day of nationals, and then all, all three days through it.
1: <laughs> basically, yeah. I'm. Yeah. I'll back down a couple days before for um, our clinic on Tuesday, but. Um,
0: yep. Yep.
1: I'll be. I'll be full on.
0: (laughs) Nice. Well, I wish you the best of luck. And so are you, are are people, are you, do you have a target on your back being the iron defending champion from last year?
1: (laughs) I I mean, I think so. But like you said, all of us, like, I think that the people, my competition that I really am going to be racing against is my training partners that I'm also yeah. doing relays with and
0: right, right, right.
1: is my national team members. And so I don't know, I think it's, it's that awkward topic. Like you were saying, like we all are so happy for each other when we do well. And, but you also at the same time want to be that one that comes out on top. So, right. yeah. um, <laughs> so you're going to give it everything you have until you cross the finish line but yep. if it's not you first you're still happy so at the end of the day it's like it's going to be a good day either way
0: yeah yeah no i love your perspective and that's such a great way to play it you know um cuz in the end it's like you know you're so lucky to to have the health And then the opportunity to do these things with these rad people, you know, it's just, it's neat to be able to enjoy that. And then, like you said, just go as hard as you can. And what will be will be in either way. You're going to be here, have a a bunch of great memories with a bunch of rad people doing something really good (laughs) and fun.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: That's (laughs) the plan. Good, good. Well, I, I wish you the best of luck. Well, we'll I'll, I'll check in and, and see how you do and everything and talk to Duke. And uh, I want to thank you, uh, April, for spending your time. I know it's super late back there and you got to work tomorrow back in the beach. Hopefully there's uh, minimal shark bites you have to attend to tomorrow.
1: Hopefully. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Thank right you on. so
1: much for having me on.
0: Oh, my pleasure. It's been really cool. And, uh, yeah, keep crushing it. And uh, best of luck next week
1: at Nationals. Thank you, Josh.
0: Right on. I'll talk to you soon.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Bye, bye. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening uh, to another podcast episode. Can't do it without you, and uh, so thrilled to have you here supporting uh, myself and the podcast and all the guests uh, continually. Always appreciate a positive um, rating on your uh, your podcast app, whether it be you know Apple Podcasts, iTunes spotify you name it just helps helps grow the podcast and uh spread awareness so thanks for that and then any uh social media mentions always super appreciative and uh if you know somebody who you think would be great to have on the podcast to share the, about their ocean life please hit me up i'd love to chat with them or if you think you'd like to let me know uh email is josh at this ocean all right thanks guys